Blog Talk Radio. What else? 
Up to the black, to the white, the red and the brown, the purple and yellow. But first, I gotta bang, bang, the boogie to the boogie. Say up, jump, the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie. Let's rock. You don't stop, rock the rhythm that'll make your body rock. Well, so far you've heard my voice, but I brought two friends along. And next on the mic is my man Hank. Come on, Hank, sing that song. Check it out. When I'm imp, the dimp, the ladies pimp, the women fight for my delight. But I'm the grand master with the three MCs that shop your house for the young ladies. And when you come inside and to the front, you do the freak bank and do the bump. And when the sucker MCs try to prove a point with Tressa's peel, or when the Syrians join her from sun to sun and from day to day, I sit down and write a brand new rhyme. Because to say that miracles never cease, I've created a devastating masterpiece. I'm gonna rock the mic so you can't resist everybody. I say it goes like this while I was coming home late one dark afternoon. Reporter stopped me for an interview. She said she's heard stories and she's heard fables that a vicious on the mic. And the turntable, this young reporter I did adore. So I rocked the vicious rhyme like I never did before. She said, damn fly guy, I'm in love with you. Casting over legend must have been true. I said, by the way, baby, what's your name? Said I go by the name Lois Lane. And you can be my boyfriend, you surely can. Just let me quit my boyfriend call Soup. But man, I said, he's a fairy, I do suppose, flying through the air, a pantyhose, he may be very sexy or even cute, but he looks like a sucker in a blue and red suit, I said, you need a man who's got finesse, and his whole name across his chest, he may be able to fly all through the night, but can he rock a party till the early light, he can't satisfy you with his little worm, but I can bust you out with my super sperm, I go, do it, I go, do it, I go, do it, do it, do it, and I'm here, and I'm there, I'm Big Bang Hank, I'm everywhere. I just throw your hands up in the air and party hard like you just don't care. Let's do it. I don't stop, y'all. I take a top, y'all. You don't stop. I go home, tail, roll, tail. And what you gonna do today? Someone get a fly girl, gonna get some spank and drive off in a death OJ. Everybody go home, tail, roll, tail, holiday in. You say if your girl starts acting up, then you take a friend. I say skip. What can I say? I can't fit them all inside my OJ So I just take half and bust them out I give the rest of Master G so he can shock the house I said a M-A-S, a T-E-R, a G with a double E I said I go by the unforgettable name of the man they call a Master G Well, my name is known all over the world By all the fox, the ladies, and the pretty girls I'm going down in history as the baddest rapper that ever could be Now I'm feeling the highs and you're feeling the lows The beat starts getting into your toes You start popping your fingers and stopping your feet And moving your body while you're sitting in your seat And damn, you start doing the freak I said bam, I ride it out of your seat Then you throw your hands high in the air You rock it to the rhythm, shake it there it you're rocking to the beat without a care Who's the short shot MCs for the affair Now I'm not as tall as the rest of the gang But I rap to the beat just the same I got a little face and a pair of rhyme eyes All I did it to the ladies is hypnotize Singing on and, and on and on and on and on The beat don't stop until the break is on I sing it on and, and on and on and on and on Like a hot butter to pop, to pop, to pop To pop, to pop, to pop, pop You don't dare stop or come alive, y'all Give me what you got I guess by now you can take a hunch And find that I am the big of the bunch, but that's okay. I still keep in stride, cause all I'm here to do is get a wiggle your behind. Sing it on and, and on and on and on. The beat don't stop until the break of dawn. Sing it on and, and on and on and on and on. Rock, rock, y'all. Throw it on the floor. I'm gonna freak your head. I'm gonna freak your day. I'm gonna move you out of this atmosphere. Cause I'm one of a kind and I'll shock your mind. I put the jig, 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 in your behind. I say the one, two, Boy, come on, girl, I get on the floor. I come alive, y'all. Give me what you got, cause I'm guaranteed to make you rock. I said one, two, three. 
three, four, tell me one, two, Mike, what are you waiting for? Set a hip. The heavy to the heavy to hip hip The hopper you don't stop The rocker to the bang bang The boogie say up jump the boogie To the rhythm of the boogie to beat Well skiddle be bop we rock a Scooby Doo Well guess what America we love you Well cause you rock and a roll With us so much so You can rock till you're 101 years old I don't mean to brag I don't mean to boast But we like hot butter on a breakfast toast Rock it out A baby bubba Baby bubba to the boogie to bang bang The boogie to the beat it's so unique, come on everybody and dance to the beat Have you ever went over a friend's house to eat and the food just ain't no good? I mean a macaroni soggy, the peas almost and the chicken tastes like wood Or so you try to play it off like you think you can by a saying that you're full And then your friend says, mama he just being polite, he ain't finished her all, that's full Or so your heart starts pumping and you think of a lie and you say that you already ate And your friend says, man there's plenty of food, so you pile for more on your plate but while the sticky food steaming, your mind starts to dream of the moment it's time to leave. And then you look at your plate and your chicken's fully rotting into something that looks like cheese. Oh, so you say, that's it, I got to leave this place, I don't care what these people think. I'm just sitting here making myself nauseous with this ugly food that stinks. Oh, so you bust out the door while it's still closed, still sick from the food you ate. And then you run to the store for quick relief from a bottle of K.O. Pectate. And then you call your friend two weeks later to see how he has been. And he says, I understand about the food, babe, but bubba, but we're still friends. But with a hip hop, the hippie to the hip and a hip hip, a hopper, you don't stop the rocker to the bang bang, boogie say up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to beat. www.angrydevas.com Get it right, boo. 
This has been another Bitch House production, and of course, it's always my pleasure. You can check us out on the web for our blog, for links to the show, also for links to certain classes, healing modalities, and such the like. Peace. Thank you. I'm trying out a couple of new things. I told that for y'all. All right. Let's get on into the show. Uh, I'm going I'm to actually do a couple of things differently today. I'm going to air a couple of grievances. We're going to call this day Festivus. <laughs> and we will start with the airing of the grievances. All right? We got a Dear Diva note. And the Dear Diva note said, Dear Diva, why is it that sometimes we can really hear your Boston accent and sometimes we can't? Well, to the person who wrote me, the Dear Diva, permit me to share something with you. It pisses me to fuck off when y'all copy our accent, goddamn. Pisses me off. And you always fuck it up. You non-Bostonian motherfuckers, you ruin it. It ruins it even for us. I hate hearing you people try to mock the New England slash Boston accent. You do it terribly. It always pisses me off. It always has. It's, it's even terrible to see alleged hometown actors doing movies and fucking up the accent. Y'all saw Ted. Wahlberg need his ass beat. Terrible. <laughs> so, to the person who wrote me the Dear Diva note and asked, why do we not always hear your Boston accent? Well, my dear, over the course of my life, I have actually gotten quite good at hiding it. I have done it with just about every word except anything with that fucking letter R in it. I can't do it. <laughs> I do it sometimes with certain words. <laughs> Usually, if it's got an O in it, I'll pronounce the O more. <laughs> so you kind of don't even hear that letter R because I can't do it unless I say it very quickly and you barely catch it. But I get tired of shit like, I right, picture this. Valkyrie going to call me this morning. Yeah, I'm talking about Valkyrie right now. I'm talking about it. Valkyrie going to call me this morning and ask, you know, how was I or whatever the fuck. And I don't even remember what the word is that I had said to her, but after I said it, she kept fucking repeating it in her horrible New york trying to copy Boston accent. <laughs> I almost hung up on that. <laughs> Valkyrie, you lucky as fuck. I almost hung up on your ass. Because that shit pissed me off. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start calling you and saying shit like, hot dog and shit. Motherfucker. <laughs> Start calling you. <laughs> Fucking up New York words on purpose. Y'all, nobody does it to Bostonians like they do to anyone anywhere else in the world. Not that I've experienced, anyways. And I have been in a crowd of folks with all kind of accents. They don't want to pick on their accent. No, they want to pick on Boston. <laughs> what kind of shit? You know? Don't jump on Boston and shit. I remember going on the Negro College Tour. That's what I'm calling it. It was officially called the Black College Tour, but I called it the Negro College Tour, and I didn't want to go. My mother made me. I did not want to go. I was like, I'm not going to school. No fucking HBCU. You're out of your mind. The hell do I look like 
congregating with a bunch of Negroes talking about getting an education, you know? And she looked at me, her mouth fell open. I said, what do I look like congregating with a bunch of Negroes talking about getting an education? There's nothing to those schools anymore. Maybe when you were my age and going to college, it was worth something. But I'm going to tell you, 30 years later, it ain't shit. I ain't say shit, though. It ain't nothing is what I said because, you know, you ain't cussed with mama. But she made me go anyway. And so <laughs> we go on the Negro college circuit, the Chitlin circuit, college. Yeah, I'm talking shit. Yes, I am. And when we get there, they ask our group, where y'all from? We shout out Boston. <laughs> Boston. And this southern mother sucker going pop it back. Oh, Boston? I'm like, what? No, nigga. No. <laughs> and then every other damn group from wherever the shit they were from decided for the whole rest of the Negro college chitlin circuit that they was going to mock Boston, you know? I wasn't banging for Boston like that, though. I wasn't going to get in no fights with those stupid nigga over their silly asses. You know? What I did do, though, is represent a very different side of Boston. Because I could have showed them Roxbury, Dorchester, and Matter, motherfucking paint. But I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I instead chose to show them a little bit of the Roxbury Hills and the Jamaica Plains and, you know, that whole sort of the forest hills of Boston. I gave them a little flavor that they savor. <laughs> so that is why Diva does not always just let her Boston flow because I get tired of you motherfuckers terribly mocking our accent. You know, it, it, it just, it, that's one of my, grinds my gears. And do not forget, like I already said, today I am naming today Festivus. We are beginning with the airing of the grievances. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> That's grievance number one. The whole accent shit. Grievance number two. Even being a black Bostonian, it's still a catch-22. See, I get it from y'all for sounding like Boston. I get it from them for sounding like white Boston. Listen <laughs> to that shit. Yeah, there's a black Boston accent. There is. There's a difference between black people saying words and white folks saying words. And it literally depends on what side of the tracks you lived on. Crazy. Real crazy. Did you live over on the orange line and the green line or the red line? (laughs) Shout out to Boston. Y'all know this is my city and I love this place. Um, Even that dirty ass water. Y'all need to understand also, before I get too far into the show, that um, Angry Divas will be on vacation next week. And I'm going to do my best to see if I can get somebody to fill in. Y'all know can't nobody do it like I do it. But I'm going to do my best to see about getting someone to, uh, you know, cover and and take care of a couple of the shows. Because I told y'all, August was coming. And what did I say was going to happen in August? I said, me and Valkyrie are going to take Boston by storm. So, yes. 
this is, you know, just something that's coming up. It'll be about, what, next week or something? I don't know, probably next Tuesday, Monday through Tuesday through Wednesday, some shit like that. We'll see. But um, I will keep everybody abreast. We might do um, – I'll either have, you know, someone come in to fill in, and I call in uh, live from the streets of Boston or something, you know? <laughs> or we'll do – I'll upload a couple of replays. <laughs> do an Angry Diva's greatest hits and shit. <laughs> perspective of what would be greatest hits according to what our fans like. I know what my hits are because those are my favorites. <laughs> anyway, I'll put together an angry give greatest hits and we'll, you know, we'll keep it rocking and all. But yeah, there's a difference between the black Boston accent and the white Boston accent. And interestingly enough, hold on a second. I'm just getting a ping from blog talk. Okay. Um, there's been an issue as of late with Blog Talk Sound. They've been working out a couple of kinks and bugs on their end. What it has done on our end is calls get dropped. People get kicked off calls. People get kicked out the chat room. Um, I get kicked out of my own show. (laughs) And other such fuckers. So today I couldn't call in from the studio. I couldn't call in from the studio today, and then I couldn't even call into my normal host number. They had to give me this whole other number, so whatever. We're just going to rock with it because the show must go on. Anyway, let me let me get back into my point here. You know, I had something to say about this before Blog Talk sent me this little update. <laughs> there is a difference between Black Boston and what would be considered White Boston, And the difference between Black Boston and White Boston, unfortunately, get associated as such by Black folks based on poverty consciousness. So I was doing a little thinking about this today, and I read this really great article by the Muslim Bushido. One of my sister friends uh, shared it, and I'm considering, uh, you know, either resharing it or some kind of way making it available to you all so that you can, you know, have access to the information and read it for yourself. But as a result of my conversation with Valkyrie from yesterday to today, my considerations in general from, you know, last Friday's show up until this very moment, I decided to open up today and talk a little bit about black conservatism. And I I decided to name the show that in specific but it's not just an only black conservatism. So I'm going to tell you, I got four concepts I'm working with here. Now, listen, all right, this is not something I've been working on for a terribly long time. So forgive me if it sounds a little whatever, you know. This is right off the top of my dome, which is sheer genius. But if it's not, if I haven't chewed on it enough to break it down for your feeble mind, it's not my fault. Keep up. All right, now. I'm fucking with y'all. All right, let's let's get into this. I got four points. We've got black conservative, black conservatism. Let me say it right. Slow down that Boston. Black puritanism, black liberalism, and then the black ghetto. Now I am considering these things 
just and only based on my my dear diva message that I got today talking about why do we sometimes hear my accent and sometimes we don't. And it got me to thinking about my experiences from being a young tot to, you know, right now today with different folk in Boston, with the different racial energies and tensions even in Boston. And my own experiments, y'all know I'm a mad scientist. The fuck? My own experiments with some of the climate, the energy, the people in this great city, my fair city. Oh, y'all, I love this dirty water. I got to play it. Let's you right now our first big record. It sold over a million copies, thanks to you. It goes something like this. I'm going to tell you a story. When I told Valkyrie when she comes, she said, I want to see, I want to see where you was birthed. <laughs> so I'm going to walk Valkyrie through. And, you know, this is why I said we might have to do a live from the streets of Boston show or some shit. You know what I mean? I'm going to walk Valkyrie through my childhood home and the neighborhood that I grew up in. And, you know, as I was talking to her about it, I was like, dude, listen, I'm telling you, the minute I set foot back on this street, Nothing's changed. It looks just like it did when I was a little kid. The only difference is the cars are all updated now, you know? That's it. The paint has been kept up. The house colors may be changed a little bit. The trim is not yellow no more. It's now blue or some, in some spots. But and the cars are all new, up to date, closer to this year than, you know, when I was back in the 80s, 90s and shit when I was there. But it is the same it is still the kind of place where you want to raise your children. It is still the kind of place that you can be proud to call home. It's still the kind of place where you nod and smile with your neighbors and you guys exchange coffee or, you know, you made coffee cake, she brewed coffee. Y'all are all going to throw block parties. It's still the kind of place that I could be proud to say this is my home. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed at all. People have moved out. The elders have passed on, folks have sold their homes, energy of that space remains. Interestingly enough, when we left that beautiful little space, because of another black bitch, you know? See, this is the fucked up thing. This is why I don't particularly like when um, certain type of Negroes move into the neighborhood. Yeah, I said it. I don't give a damn. Told y'all all in the family one of my favorite shows. The fuck? 
talking to somebody about that yesterday, too, and I was like, I don't remember him ever saying nigga. Was I just too young? Did I just, like, not get what the word meant yet? Did I not hear it? Because I remember that. I remember every other nigga I've heard, <laughs> you know? So what did he actually say? Did he say Negro? I can't remember. Now I got to watch it and remember. But anyhow, when we moved into what would be considered black Boston, and y'all know what they mean when they say black. We're talking about this underclass. Wait, I gave you the definitions. I said we've got four. We've got black conservatism, black puritanism, black liberalism, and black ghetto. Well, depending on what part of black Boston you're in, you can be anywhere from uh, black puritanism to black ghetto. Typically, those places are very religious. They got a whole bunch of liquor stores. There's whole stroll and pimps roll on every major street. There's shootings at almost every um what is it, the playgrounds, the little spaces, green space where they put together for the children, community centers, rec centers, whatever the fuck you call that shit. Those kinds of places typically end up having, you know, this sort of thing. So you can run the gamut. You can have your really extreme conservative, the old, 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 old 60-, 70-year-old folk who, you know, remember when we used to and I had to walk to school and we had a one-room schoolhouse and all that shit that y'all have to hear, you know, family reunions and barbecues and shit, to – your Puritans, which would be your church folk, like they ain't all sneak fucking. Okay? Like they're not all sneak fucking. Sneak fucking pastor and sneak fucking all the deacons and the drummers and everybody else. And they ain't all sneak fucking each other on some old other shit tip. To black liberalism, which is poverty. Nothing but poverty. Everywhere where black folks vote liberal, there's decay. Okay, to the black ghetto, which them people don't, uh, if they even vote, if they even vote, which just to be perfectly honest with you, I know because I went out and tried to get people to rock the vote and shit. So I remember what the fuck happens in the precinct of Boston, black Boston. I know. I know my city. What it is for you, it is for you, but I know mine. So I'm thinking about all of this. I'm thinking about when we move from Jamaica Plain into Dorchester, which was a eclectic blend, if you will, of black Puritanism, black liberalism, and black ghettoism. We were picked at for how we spoke. We were picked at for how we dressed. We were picked at for how we walked. We were picked at for how we articulated ourselves, that we read books. When I was in a more predominantly black school, The black children who did well, we didn't have friends. We had very few friends because we were the nerd people. We weren't popular. We weren't the whole class. We weren't the slut class. We weren't the kids who was going to suck you off in the back hallway. The kinds of things that were being glorified and promoted to black girls, we did not engage in. We had our own brand of puritanism, conservatism, liberalism and ghettoism, get it right. But we had to learn to be multilingual in this one fucking language, in this one damn culture of quote-unquote Americanism. We had to be multicultural and multilingual to survive black folk theocratic belief systems from you think you white or you trying to be white 
because you speak proper English, because you say the words all the way through. You don't use Ebonics. So I had to learn the language of the black ghetto Negro. <laughs> to accommodate at first, because I, I cared at first. You know, we were taught that we brothers and sisters and all that bullshit. So at first, I was trying to accommodate these children who, for whatever reason, felt inferior just by the mere fact that I read, wrote, and spoke well. I then learned that that inferiority was the product of the TV they were watching. See, my mother never got us cable. Yo, I didn't get cable till I moved out at 20, okay? I did not get cable till I was 20. I moved out. I'm glad that mother never got us fucking cable. We used to have to, y'all remember the, the um, little ear antennas, you know what I'm saying, where you could pull one one way and one the other way and twist through it, and you put a little piece of tinfoil on it and shit to try to get the picture clear. Y'all remember that shit. Don't act like that. It wasn't that damn long, bro. <laughs> we used to try to jerry-rig, nigger-rig the shit up so that we could watch MTV2. By the time we got to high school, so we could see what the hell our friends were talking about because they had blocked all video stuff from uh, the computers at school. The schools that I went to in the neighborhood that would be considered white, they had computers and books and resources. We took dance and art and theater. When we moved to black Boston, and my sister, see, because I still took buses and trains across town the fuck away. You give a damn. I wasn't doing it. I got the fuck out the public system and put myself into something greater. My sisters also went to public school eh, with other Negro children. They were taking Spanish and gym as electives. Spanish and gym. We had theater and art and dance and sculpting and media and I mean all kinds of shit I was mad at the kids who had journalism and archery and fencing you know I was jealous about that I was jealous and I would go home and bitch about it like do you know that in Abington the children have blah 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 blah, blah and we only have blah, blah 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 and my sisters looked at me and said what we got gym in Spanish we get gym in Spanish and gym is a joke because we don't have a gym in our school. Our school's in a house. <laughs> it, was a, it was named after the person who lived there. So, you know, they turned her house into a school. Muriel Snowden. Black woman. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> and so, you know, that made it more real for me. I always went to school in places that were not in black Boston. Once I started to interact with black children who were in black Boston and from black Boston, that's when I understood there was such a thing as a disparity. But I also understood that there was a disparity because their mother subscribed to it. My mother purposely kept us out and away from such neighborhoods in our formative years, especially. Well, what the hell happened to her brain when we hit high school? But, you know, we've talked about that here before. But in our formative years especially, she, took, she did everything it, she had to to keep us out of black Boston. 
and away from those kinds of schools. See, I see that certain communities, certain neighborhoods, there's a thick swell when it comes to even the assistance and stuff, blacker neighborhoods, browner neighborhoods. But if you, with your, you know, assistance needs, took yourself, whatever your voucher is, uh, I don't know, whatever the heck is going on in your life, right? In our case, you know, we were were state kids, you know? And so we had, um, mommy had support for our rent, mommy had support for our food and such like. And so we would live in a neighborhood that had a couple of apartments, a lot of such a low-income family, but it wasn't a black neighborhood. But what black folks who were smart, still stupid, because how the fuck do you need assistance for your children? Stupid. Yeah, I'm calling it fucking stupid. You know why I'm calling it stupid? Because my mother was middle class. So how do you drag yourself? down into black ghetto awkwardy is beyond me and then birth children there but whatever this is what the children of the civil rights movement have done so whereas we came from a middle-class family homeowners landowners women who were married and stayed home and took care of their children educated their children in the home it's something about a certain generation of black folk that decided to subscribe to lactivism and mediocrity. They came out of conservatism, probably because of the constant tacking of race and racism to the conservative Republican Party. They're all racist. Let's sew that shit up. They're all fucked up. All right? Let's sew it up and end that discussion right there. They're all racist, they're all fucked up, no one is better than the other one. Now, when we talk about conservation of a thing, black conservation, see that's the root word in conservative, conserve, conservation is the principle. Conserve is the root. When we're talking about black conservation, conservative, whichever way you can apply it, even that is multifaceted. When we're conserving a black value system, to conserve a black ethic would be to divest from black race identity. I have a video on the Angry Diva fan page. Watch the fucking video. All right? It's a video of a black Egyptian scholar who goes into this whole creation of race, that it is a 19th and 20th century creation. Now, I remember this from my legal classes. Race law in the American justice system was the course in particular. And we were talking, as my favorite professor, favorite Africana studies slash law professor, He talked about race being a very young and new concept. And he was saying that if there was ever going to be any fucking hope for black people, we were going to have to divest from black itself, black race issues. There is no issue plaguing the race greater than the subscription to white supremacy. How you know you yourself as a 
black-skinned American or wherever you are are subscribed to white supremacy, do you believe that slavery existed? If the answer is yes, you are a white supremacist. You're a white supremacist. If you believe that bullshit, that's true. If you believe that Egyptians were red-skinned and pale-skinned, you are a white supremacist. If as far as your black knowledge goes into goddamn fucking Kemet, oh my God. <laughs> Let me pull it back. Let me pull it back. I got a special hatred for those motherfuckers. I do. I have no respect for them because they are, their sole existence is to continually deny the centrality of the mother and the divinity of the mother. So I have a special hatred for those people. I've hated them since they began, and I will hate them until there's no more breath among them. They want to usurp the mother's position and put that sorry-ass dick on top, and I will never stand for that, ever. I never have. I never will, because it's a myth. It's a falsehood, a fallacy. (laughs) Now, back to my point. We've got an entire collective of Negro folks who literally believe in racism and the supremacy of white folks. You know them. They'll say shit like, there's a war on black men. Black men don't have the power to do no harm, but the police do. Listen, if you believe that, Do you realize what you're saying? Black men have no power to do any harm. Then let us simultaneously be rid of them right now. Abort them in utero? Get rid of them. You know why? Is not capable of doing harm to defend his mother. Y'all, you're not even going to tack this on me. Let me get some of the dick you suck. Malcolm X said that the black man has failed in many ways, but perhaps the most egregious of all his failures is his failure to protect the black woman. So, black men do not have the capacity to inflict harm to protect their family. It's time to cull the herd. It is. Because, you know, they got time to riot and burn and loot and stab and kill and shoot and rape and maim and rape and maim and bake babies and abandon. They got time for that. They got the capability to do that. They have the capacity to destroy and to cause harm. They just hate themselves so much they rather harm their families. And apparently so too does the black woman because it's the black woman who comes out of her mouth and says this mammying bullshit in defense of him. We have an entire cohort of black folks. They're mostly ghetto-wise. Don't think you're not ghetto just because you don't live in the PJs, baby. Don't think you're not ghetto just because you got a PhD or a, some other form of master intelligence. Don't think that you're not ghetto just because you've never used Ebonics a day in your motherfucking life. You ghetto. You are. We know. Here's how. Here's the proof. You have subscribed to lactivism as your permanent mind state. 
It's all in your motherboard. Lack, poverty, degradation, fear, inferiority, Stockholm Syndrome. It's how you know you are in the ghetto. The ghetto is not a damn zip code. The ghetto is not a zip code. The ghetto is the state of your mind. How you think about yourself, relate to yourself, and what your values are. So now that we have discussed at length all the crazy, for those of us who do not subscribe to that crap, first and foremost, let me salute you. And thank you for being on this journey with me. See, I refuse to believe that black women are so broken, fucked up, and stupid that the only way that we can support another sister, listen to what she has to say, throw our support behind her, invest in ourselves with her, is if she's somehow talking about how bad racism is, how horrible white supremacy is. Is she somehow out here taking up banners for black men who don't take up banners for even their motherfucking selves? If she chooses not to subscribe to the propaganda, I mean the news updates about the shit that's allegedly happening around the world. You know, black folks, 300 black girls were abducted, ritualistically raped, and then sold into sexual slavery. But, you know, let's look for the one black man. We have so far fallen that we have invested in degradation, fuckery, and bullshit as the sole identity of blackness, as the sole value of blackness. So if you don't talk like this here, you trying to be white. You hate yourself if you tell the truth about black folk. You're being negative and you're, you're talking hateful and you're trying to hurt somebody if you tell the truth about what's happening in the black community. We are so invested in dying, we're even willing to kill those who want to live. This is why, this is why every time there's maybe six black men killed by white cops, in one calendar year, six black men killed by white cops in one calendar year. I'm giving an example. This is why when we say, but what about the half million black men who was murdered by other black men this year? And people will turn around and tell us that we're being divisive. That we're being disrespectful, that we're dishonoring the memory of the dead. There is an entire collective of black Americans who are white supremacists. This is why I say that the skin folk ain't the kin folk. We got two minutes and 17 seconds before we go into overtime. Make sure you call in 347-826-9930 again. 347-826-9930. I tried to book an hour and a half show today, but, you know, 
Blog Talk is awesome, whatever. Here's the number in the chat room. And uh, peace to everybody in the chat room, by the way, and everybody on the call line. Um, make sure that you call in if you want to hear the last hour, 347-826-9930. Also, if you wanted to weigh in at all, because I know I have my perspective, I have what I've read, what I've seen, what I've lived, but there is so much more. And that's one of the things that I love about this space, because we come together, we share, I say what the fuck I got to say, y'all say what the hell you got to say, and it always ends up making for a decent stew. There she goes in my ear. Officially 90-second mark right now. Three four seven eight two six nine nine three zero. Again, three four seven eight two six nine nine three zero. Make sure you call in to hear the last hour of the show um, as we go into overtime. If that's your time with us for today, you know, peace be your journey indeed. Make sure that you tune in tomorrow for Hump Day on Angry Divas Radio. Hump Day. Hump Day. 60 seconds for everybody else who's going to stay on with us. 347-826-9930. 347-826-9930. All right? So, oh, I see we've got a couple of callers in. We've got Doc Mechanic. I'm going to open your mic. Uh, did you want to say something, weigh in on the topic, add a little something-something to all those stew here? Doc Mechanic, you're on with us. Three four seven everybody, eight two six nine nine three zero. Oh, 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 I see now. Okay. I didn't know that was you, Blayton. Um, I didn't know that was you. That's all right, just listen in. I, I just want to make sure I let you say something and everything. Three four seven eight two six nine nine three zero. I'm just gonna keep on announcing it until we finally go on in overtime. I see we've got our brother from another mother with us. I've opened your mic, Galactic Peace to you. Ten seconds, everybody, we're officially on air. Let's do it. Ooh, you can always tell exactly when it goes to uh, overtime because it's loud. Peace, Galactic. I opened your mic. You're on with us. Um, 916, I know you be at work, so I'm not even going to fuck with you. But peace, baby. Hey. Welcome. Doc Mechanic, peace to you. 706, peace to you. Peace to everybody. What's going on with you today, GS? What's good, Triple? How are you? I'm doing just wonderful. You know what I mean? I can't really complain. I'm really enjoying myself. I just had a, a person hit up the Angry Diva fan page, hit like on the video I was just talking about, posted three hours ago. And, um, you know, we're just we're doing our thing here. I'm going to highlight this as well. That would be great. Probably put it on the website and everything. Yep. Anyway, let me get out of Facebook. <laughs> I guess I can't <laughs> I was um I just wanted to share a little bit and I know I, I haven't really given it the the time that it needs to marinate and stew, but I just wanted to give a little bit of my perspective, what I have experienced at least, in the difference between black values and black devalues. And what actually does and does not devalue our race. I don't know I mean, I've heard people say things like it was the welfare itself that got black women to give up their uh, middle-class values and accept a life that has produced the now baby mama culture. And I'm going to say this is odd for me because I, I have to consider both bloodlines. I've got on my mother's side, which we would consider my matriarch side, 
My mother's family was middle class. My father's family, I don't know what we would consider them. They were, my mother's family was upper middle class. My father's family was a little closer to lower middle class in that they own their own homes. Yes, they own land. They own land all in the south. Their family has owned land. I mean, I don't know what the hell has happened from, you know, 40 years ago to now because that predates even me. But I know that, you know, they were land-owning, land-dwelling folk. Um, They spent a lot of time in the reservations, being that they were native, and such the like. So I know that there's all of this cultural and very white supremacist manipulation and machination of our mobility, our upward mobility and such the like. But I just keep looking at my mother's family. My grandfather worked, provided for his children. They were well taken care of. They had cars. They had a home. Um, you know, and they, there was a, five children in her family. It's five of them. So it was four of us, Jesus Christ. You know, I guess every generation they do a little bit better. <laughs> but it was four of us and five of them. And, um, you know, plus my grandparents. But, you know, Nanny made her own wine. Nanny was always cooking. She made her own bread from scratch. She was, you know, your typical middle class housewife. Um, and she drank. <laughs> she fucking drank. <laughs> and so too did my grandma. Them niggas drank like fish. But I'm looking at their life, and then I'm looking at their children. Now, their children were born in the 40s, 50s. My mother's the youngest. She was born in the late 50s. And those children grew up during busing in Boston, okay, that whole crazy-ass shit. And if you don't know nothing about it, I suggest that you get a little, you know, a little reading in your system. Actually, a really great book, and especially for, you know, if you've got teenagers, even if you've got, you know, early 20-somethings, get them to read this book. It's called All Souls, and it's by Michael Patrick McDonald. And it talks about the white side of busing. It talks about the white side of Boston, the poor white trash of Boston compared to the poor black trash of Boston. And I, I look at some of the actions and some of the things that were going on in the white ghettos and in the black ghettos among the white ghetto-minded folk and the black ghetto-minded folk, and there's no difference between them. There's no difference. There's no difference. Their difference is the subscription to white supremacy and what it does to both minds. So one mind, the black mind, subscribes to white supremacy as, uh, you know, these people won't let us get ahead. And the other mind subscribes to white supremacy as, I might be a poor piece of white trash, but I'm still white. So that's something that's really good for your children to read so that they can see it's not just black folks who was niggers, who have niggardly behavior patterns, niggardly thoughts, and niggardly lifestyles. That it's not just black folks who are niggardly and have been bred and encouraged to be niggardly, but they constantly pit that race game. And if we continue to subscribe to it, and I know it sounds like, what do you mean subscribe? Like we can just not believe in it no more and it's over? Yeah, just like that. <laughs> See, I remember when they said something, I don't remember what TV program this was, but I heard it. Resistance is futile. Y'all remember that? The first time that I heard 
resistance is futile. I actually started repeating it because I kept hearing it, you know, like it was on repeat in my head. And after a while, whenever we were playing, and we were, we were playing robots, uh, cops and robbers, um, like, resistance is futile was like always one of the things that we would say. And I just began to understand what my brain had picked up on even back then. You don't go against current to win. You will tire yourself out. You have to figure out, A, which direction the current is going in. B, what is charging that current? What is the governing, ruling energy, power, whatever? How do I get in the flow? And then, once I'm in the flow, how do I manipulate saying that? And improving it. Bending it for myself. So instead of us figuring that out, what we have done and I watched my parents do this shit. They just wanted to fucking play in, you know, the fucking 60s. I swear to God, all that damn weed in the 60s and shit, you know. You know, you adults. I hear adults talk shit like, oh, the weed ain't weed now like it used to be then. Yeah. You think everything was so great and wonderful then. You don't realize that even that shit is a damn program. <laughs> It's always been programmed and GMO'd and fucked up. They've been GMO and fools since like the, the 1910s, 20s at least that they've let us be aware of. You think that that free love movement was not manipulated by the goddamn government? See, a real God entity, whether it's a system of governance, a system of religion, your own motherfucking self, or whatever the hell the thing is in your life, a real God entity is always going to be 20 steps ahead of the fray. They planned it for you. They planned the bikini for you. You don't even know why you put that little skimpy piece of shit on your ass. You don't even know how it came to be. You just want a cute one that shows off your little figure. This is the kind of shit I'm talking about conservatism doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're some kind of right-wing, thumb-nosing-ass motherfucker, brown-nosing-ass, you know, I ain't going to say Uncle Tom. Actually, Uncle Tom is a good thing. (laughs) This is another thing that the black ghetto class done to degrade those who have actually done the work to pull themselves up and get out of the bullshit traps. They'll call you Tom if you don't do enough Black boot licking, they call you a white boot licker. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Uncle Toms were the people who held the doors open and made the ways out of no way for black folks and put out other information to bust up the disinformation of the black community. But we call them Toms. I will never forget the day that I saw the episode, I think it was the Jeffersons, When George was calling, I think it was his uncle. It might have either been his uncle or Louisiana uncle. I don't really fucking remember. But anyway, he overheard him calling him a Tom. And he came out and he read him the riot act. And when he did, I stood up and clapped in front of my whole family. That's true. That's it. It was the Tom people who made the way open. It's the Tom 
who will open doors for you and don't even know your fucking name. It's the Toms who see something in you and see you trying to do something and invest either their time, energy, or even their platform in you. The Toms did that shit. It ain't never been the Shaniquas that did it. It ain't never been the Jeromes that did it. The J. Marcuses that did it. It ain't never been the J. Quans that did it. But that's what we have come to privilege. We worship globally court jesters. Do you understand that? We worship the court jesters. You call them celebrities. And they're nothing but clowns. They are merely clowns, but we worship them, and we honor them, and we privilege them. It's a very sick thing that's happened to our system of values, belief, and self-investment. When they said self-destruction, better for self-destruction, they were not lying. Those were not lies. Those were not lies at all. How do we come out of the glorification of black degradatory living, breeding babies out of wedlock? And I don't even like to say wedlock, like you got to get locked in wed, but not having families, having no family values, having no sense of community, having nothing set in place at all to pass on to our children. You know, I saw, I saw this with the greed and the vindictiveness. Interestingly enough, my mother's mother and my father's father. When my mother's mother and father divorced, he left her the house. She was pissed at him for divorcing her. So she left the house, moved out, moved somewhere the fuck else, I don't know where, and told everybody in the neighborhood they can come take whatever they want out of the house. They stripped that house down to fucking nothing. The city had to come. They put a lien on it and turned it into a vacant goddamn lot. When my father's mother passed away, my father's father sold the house for his new whore he had been trotting through while he was sick. Who then, when he passed away, first of all, she wouldn't let none of his family see nor speak to him after, you know, because nobody had no fucking respect for her because mama was sick and her sick, stupid ass was up in that house fucking granddaddy and had no goddamn respect for nobody, so nobody had no respect for her. The whore is never respected. It's unfortunate, but it's true. It's never respected, especially not, I mean, it's not even like, okay, well, you know, you serve as a granddaddy. They might have even forgave you if you wasn't in mama's house, you sick bitch. But so because of that kind of shit, nobody had no respect for her. So when granddaddy passed, First of all, his own children couldn't come to his funeral. This is the sick mind of black people. Second of all, she sold the house and didn't give nobody a dime that was his children and kept it for herself. So as has been typical, see, I tell these stories. This don't mean shit to me to tell. This is our fucking history. This isn't just my family history. You just don't know your history. You don't know that black men have made stupid fucking decisions with dumb bitches that cost us our wealth. From antiquity. From antiquity. 
to now. This is how we've lost everything. Letting bum motherfuckers have access to the coin. Letting bum motherfuckers have access to the creators of civilization and creation and culture. Letting them have influence upon those things. This is how we got here. This is why I can't blame a white motherfucker for how we got here. Because we created it all. And if we can repetitively say they were cave beasts and we civilized them, then that means that in all of our giving up of civilization to somebody else, we weren't keeping none for us. You notice that these motherfuckers go around the world, quote-unquote, civilizing people, but maintain their hegemony? Have you ever paid attention to it? Or do you just get so red-eye-seasoned mad that you start to spit? I look at this shit differently than everybody else. I look at it very differently than everybody else. And I understand that there's something else going on at play here. See, it takes an oppressor and a complicit oppressee for this thing to work. And the ways that we are complicit are so sickly intertwined with the idea of choice and free will and freedom itself and all of this shit, the freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the freedom of this and the freedom of that, the freedom of this and the freedom of that, and none of it's true. Unless you're a damn corporate entity, you ain't got freedom for shit. How do we change that around? How do we divest from the same old soundbite? Well, one of the things that I did is I stopped talking shit about, quote, unquote, racism. I don't believe in it. It's not real. It's not real. See, this new thing that they created in the 19th century, in the 20th century, Y'all understand what the fuck I'm saying to you, the 19th and the 20th century? Hello? What century is we in now? Okay, enough said. So this new thing that they created just a couple of hundred years ago, yo, this this is not even a thousand years old. This ain't even close. A couple hundred years. Was to cover up the greatest scandal all time. The creation of gender. The removal of the womb from the so-called symbol of salvation. When they took the womb off and called it a cross and got us to subscribe to it, every other program was easy. This is why, and to the ladies who have signed up for the course, thank you, and I look forward to the 19th. This is why in our Lesbian Origins book study, We're going to get into how this came to be and, moreover, how we could manipulate it for our good. I don't bitch about white supremacy. I don't bitch about white privilege. I bathe in white privilege. Why not? I saw this page called uh, Young and Feminine and Brown or some shit like that, and um, they said instead of bitching about white privilege, go get you some. We are addicted to the struggle. I talked about this yesterday. We're addicted to the struggle. Yo, we don't feel like if we struggle that it's worth anything. We're so addicted to the struggle that we make a struggle out of everything. Somebody give you a real simple idea. Valka gave me a great idea. She said, hey, you know what? 
I got a little something extra from what that, that guy said to you about the donations page. I want you to put together a couple of things because I think, she said, you know Negro people. If they ain't getting something, they ain't giving nothing. I says, yeah, but they're getting a lot from the show. She goes, you know what the fuck I mean, though. <laughs> and so she and I sat and we brainstormed, right? She gave me some really great ideas. You know, if, if they give $10, they get this, they get this, they get that. And I was like, hey, that sounds really great. Then I started thinking to myself, oh, man, well, I got to, you know, I, I got to go get like this. Adobe something something software. I don't know. I was making a mountain out of a goddamn molehill, all right, or making a molehill into a mountain. And I sat still and I said, no, nah, nigga, smoke. <laughs> first of all, smoke. Second of all, no, first, before we even smoke, let's get a snack. Let's put something in our system. You might not have eaten anything today. You might be cranky and making everything worse. So I got me a snack and something to drink, and I smoked me a smoke. And then I sat there, and it poured out of me so easily. I got that shit done in an hour. Okay? In one hour. And so now, after talking with Valkyrie, she goes, yes, have a, a, a donate button. So that people can donate whatever they feel led to and then put one together so that they'll receive, like, you know, you know how you do your declarations? Send them a 30-day declaration to remember the I am God of themselves, the things that you always talk about anyways. And then she said, you know, you could do your resonance videos and talk about, you know, the thing that you put together for um, your classes. And I said, hmm, I think I will borrow my four C's that I discussed in my four wins class the four C's program. And I said, I'll take the four C's program and I'll turn it into four videos. And so when they donate, you know, 80 bucks, they can get those four videos that really go into, you know, concentration on self-preservation, creating a sacred practice, your consciousness, the I am vibration, channeling yourself, your higher self, and such the like. And so I put that together in absolutely no time at all because I stopped making it difficult. At first, I was fighting it. That's that addiction to the struggle, your knee-jerk reaction. Check your reaction and have some action sometimes. Put some action steps together so you don't become reactive to everything. You can preempt even what you might be reacting to. I preempted that I was having these reactions because I didn't eat nothing and I hadn't smoked yet. So let me take care of these things and clear my head. Put a little something in my belly. Put a little something in my, my lungs, you know, and get a new vibration going. And then I did it, and it was easy. We get addicted to the struggle because we've been taught that that's what it takes. And I talked about this yesterday where our parents would say shit to us, you've got to be twice as good as these motherfuckers and work twice as hard to get half of what they get. No, that's what you told yourself. So while you was on the welfare roles, or what's your good job, and not creating any form of black conservative enterprise, that you had a great and worthy scapegoat that could say they're just not letting me. And I have watched over the years as the shit that my father said to me first was, you know, the white man don't want to let no black man have a chance. And that was, you know, now they want all the young people. They don't want to give no old nigga a chance. Motherfucker, if you don't get the goddamn excuses out of your vocabulary and your constitution, that's why I don't talk to people no more. This is why. I can't stand to be around that 
because that impacts me, especially being an empath. And most people are not conscious of the energy that they bring. And when you try to bring it to their attention, they'll be like, well, it's like you trying to say that I did that shit on purpose. Who gives a fuck why you did it, bitch? You did it. Now. Who gives a fuck? These sorts of things are our constant experience and exchange in our lives until we change our minds. Nothing is impossible. There is no fucking boundaries. There ain't no limit. There's no limit. You impose all of them. As a person thinketh, so too shall they be. Alfred and I were talking after last Friday. She goes, I don't understand. That lady talking about, I know I'm too old to be going back to get my school. What the hell is that about? I said, I don't know. I didn't even listen to that. I don't even remember that she said that. I tuned that shit right the fuck out. I have trained my ears to tune out whining and fucking laughing. Yes. Glory be to God. Glory be to God for that shit. Tune it out. I don't even listen to you motherfuckers when you start that bullshit. She said, well, you told her you agreed. I said, yeah, I'm going to agree. Whatever the fuck you tell yourself it is, it is. If you tell yourself it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard. If you tell yourself you know it takes a while, it's going to take you a while. If you tell yourself, well, I need this, 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 and this, then you will never see the ways that you don't need any of that shit to accomplish the same end. These are the things that we have been taught, trained, and bred into that are repetitively ingrained on our psyche via all of the programs that exist to keep this the permanent vibration of blackness. So we'll say things, and I remember, how about this, yo, I was, I didn't even know we was, you know, lower middle class. I didn't know. I thought, well, we don't own no homes. We must be poor. You know what I'm saying? We're on welfare. We're poor. We're poor. We don't, people on welfare are poor, <laughs> you know? But we didn't even know that until we went, you know, to school and started talking to other little nigga children. I didn't know we was poor until they started asking us how come we didn't have name brand this, that, and the other. That's not poor. We weren't poor. They were poor. They were ghetto. They value baubles. These motherfuckers talking about red-bottom shoes and they rent is late. You got to get your mind. Every bitch in the hood got a fake-ass coach or even a real one because she took her ass to Marshalls and spent $25 on the one that's all fucked up in the zipper. I remember it was my auntie's daughters. Listen to this. You know, first, when we was kids, auntie's kids think they better than everybody. That's why they talk white. Now we've grown and it's, mm Where'd you get that purse? I'm like, why? I got this at Aldo, one of my favorite uh, shoe stores. Why? Oh, girl, you need to come up. Like, don't you like this, Louie? I says, I would if it was Louie, <laughs> bitch. Fuck. No fucking Louie. You know, what? What you trying to, mm, girl, and I got a coach, too. I got something the same day. I says, oh, really? And you on the bus. Look at that. <laughs> Yeah, it ain't real, all right, motherfucker, real fake. And even if it is real, you still don't own shit. So she's going to try to clown me, right? And I faded to black, and enough people laughed, right? I like to let people get their rope. I tell them how to tie the noose and everything, just so I make sure when I kick the stool out from under that bitch that the rope don't snap and save her life. I want you dead. So she picks and picks and picks and picks and picks. And I sat there sipping my tea. Funny enough, it actually was tea. It was green tea by Gold Peak. 
<laughs> One of my favorites. And so I'm sipping my tea. And I says, you know, I have an interesting thought, sis. If the bag is the coach, then you the horse. <laughs> Motherfucker. You're the mule. You're the one pulling the goddamn coach. You the horse. You're the mule. You're the animal. You are the thing that pulls the thing of value. Doesn't add any value to you. You are carting its value around and showing people just how valueless you are. You ever seen the real coach bags? They ain't got nothing near C on that motherfucker. It's a little teeny tiny gold strip that say coach on it. The good stuff, not the shit they market to Negroes. I ain't knocking it. I'm knocking our subscription to this lactivist mentality. We want to wear value instead of being it. We want to show and flash value instead of amassing it. You are not wealthy, well-to-do, nor rich because of the clothes you wear. You're wealthy, well-to-do, and rich when you no longer got to go sit at your motherfucking desk to have this shit, bitch. Get your mind right. What is wrong with people? When you can sit in your home and work your work and figure your shit out that way and still have all the things that you want to have, when you can rest assured that your next 15, 20 fucking generations don't got to go get nobody's job, worry about your Maserati and your red bottom shoes and your child room being decked out with them fucked up ass sweatshop Jordans and such the like. That's when. How did we ever come from investing in value, education and wisdom to falling the fuck apart? First it was the weed. This is why they called it a gateway drug. They had done something to it Certain sections of folks were getting certain sections of stuff, just like now. It's not any different. This is why immediately following the rolling late 60s, early 70s came the crackhead fucking 80s. And that really screwed black people up. Because them same children, them same civil rights children, are the ones who were in on that whole thing. And it decimated whole families, communities, the value of black life itself. Crack destroyed black communities. Crack destroyed black people living in communities together. Crack turned communities that once were black into viral, sick, depraved hotbeds of whatever the fuck. And our refusal to admit to the rearranging of black DNA via the choices of our mothers and fathers, from the weed to the crack, even the drink, and all the shit in between, the acid and whatever the fuck they were dropping, LSD and all that shit, mushrooms, all that shit, whatever it was. We're looking at what the kids are doing now, and we're saying it's crazy, but let's not act like there wasn't a day that your parents were looking at you and saying, what the fuck is wrong with these kids? It's the same game being re-spun on every generation they can count on it they can bank on it they've all we are their generational wealth 
the lack of black conservatism, black conservation, the conservation of black values, black wealth, and black multi-intergenerational wealth has meant that we now become the stock and bond of these other folks who are multi-generational and intergenerational wealth-building minded. Black parents told their black children to go get them a good job, go be a good slave on somebody else's shit. Even today, black parents are still telling their black children to go get them a good job because they can't tell you how to create your own because they're still slaves. Even now, as I talk to sisters, I had this one sister hit me up. I really need some help, sister. No, I, I need to start a business. So, well, what do you got in your house that you can sell? What you got? Well, I got some shea butter and this and that and some of the other things. I put together out of shea butter, coconut oil, cocoa butter. I projected a profit of about 2100 in a couple of months if she did it the way I told her to and, you know, worked it the way I told her to. She has yet to do so, so I'm going to. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. See, we talk about wealth building and we play with it, but we don't actually go and do it. We start making it harder than it has to be. If someone tells us a simple solution, we tell ourselves, what? It can't be that easy. It's got to be more to it than that. We convince ourselves that it's not, none, the easy way isn't true. We don't look for the easy button. There's one thing I'm thankful for being a kid who, or a, a woman who was a child that came up with the whole uh, Super Nintendo Mario Brothers shit, even the race car games. Because I always look for that little, for the sign, for the symbol that would say, this right here, nigga, this the shortcut. I always like to play little games that have you trying to find, like, 20 hearts in a scene of all kinds of jumbled up, falling over shit. You know what I mean? Look like somebody took a closet, turned it upside down, and you got to find the 20 hearts in that fucked up, tornado-ridden closet. I like things like that, brain teasers, puzzles, things that are going to help me problem solve, things that are going to help me to see a way out of no way, things that are going to help me to learn what is the spark that I need to get up from here. That's the kind of stuff we need to be investing in with our children. These are the kinds of things that we need to be investing in with our own goddamn self so we don't turn around and need to make things harder than they have to be so we really do begin to invest in our own wealth and wealth building so we really do begin to realize value when we hear it. We don't know value when we hear it. We know what makes us feel good. We know what we like to listen to because it sounds good, but we don't know the value of the thing. I remember doing this exercise really quick, and then, yes, by all means, please. I did this exercise one time, and I think I talked about this before with y'all. Well, the sister told us to write down everything that everybody get out of being our friend or being your sister, whatever the fuck, you know, your girlfriend, whatever, and put a value next to it. And she said, put a value next to it like as if you could be hired to do this as a job and that you were negotiating your wage and you were going to get exactly what you asked for. And I'm glad that she said it like that because I would have been like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to charge too much because I know my friends can't afford it. No, don't do it based on what they can afford. Do it based on its value, not affordability, value. And so after I did that, and I was looking at the values that I was asking for for some of that shit. I was like, yo, I need new friends. 
Because the sister said to us, now look at them values, and either one of two things is true. You a damn liar or you a damn fool. We don't know the value of a thing. We won't put its proper value on it unless it's stripped bare. I had, she had to say to us, like you were negotiating for a job and they were going to give you exactly the wage you asked for. Now, what would you ask? How many of us approach things that way? Anyway, Galactic, you wanted to say something. Uh, yeah. Um, what I was going to say is, is that when you, when you really look at things in totality, human beings are not as nearly as sophisticated as they like to think that they are. I was listening to you talk about, you know, just to put it simply, the the ills of humanity. And when you actually take time to listen and look at it, it becomes very apparent that there is a very simplistic and barbaric approach that human beings have to what we call life. It's, it's very base level, you know, and you look at a lot of the things that go on today. It's, it's barbarism at its best. People killing people in cold blood, people blowing shit up, uh, plane takes off, they say it's missing, all of this sleight-of-hand shit. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it's unbelievable. And then at the same time, we're fed all of this, oh, look at the new technology. Look at the advancements being made in this field and that field and all of these different things that are groundbreaking. And it, it's like the perfect dichotomy. Because when you look at it for what it is, on the one hand, we're being led to believe how sophisticated we are. And then on the other hand, we can't even feed people. For all our That's, sophisticated technology. Yep. Well, here's the thing. You know, you know and, and it's, it's, and, a, it's and, a polarity system, Galactic, the have but, and the have not. But what I'm saying is, is that when I say that we're not very sophisticated, just like you give examples, people will come up for, with every reason in the world to rationalize why these things happen. And it's really simple. It, it, it's not it, – people try to reconstruct the wheel, and it's not necessary. It's it's very simple. It's very basic, and just like when you're talking, like you're talking about values, you know, most of the things that people value have nothing to do with themselves personally. Absolutely nothing. And you gave a plethora of examples: coach purse, car, house job, career, all of these types of things that are completely outside of the actual person. But that's what they pursue. Not pursuing in the sense of creating greater value within themselves. They're doing it in the sense of just creating greater value. And that's what they get. That's all that they get out of it. Just like 
uh, yesterday. What was it? I just heard that uh, Robin Williams died. Now, here's the guy. All right. Here's the guy. I don't know how many people are familiar with the Bay Area. He lives in Tiburon, which is north of San Francisco. It's very close. It's a it's beyond high rent district. It's right next to the water. If you've ever heard of Sausalito, it's right next to Sausalito, which is just like this little rich haven that's extremely small. Now, the reason I brought him up is because they said he was depressed. About what? You got fame. You got money. You're living in the lap of luxury. Now it goes back to what you were saying before. Okay, let's assess your intrinsic values. Because if you got any, in a situation like that, it's kind of hard to be depressed. However, if you're living vicariously through all of this external shit, Ah, then you get hit with that massive eye-opener. Damn, the beautiful $20 million house don't make me happy. The plethora of vehicles that I can drive at the drop of a hat is not making me happy. All of these bitches running in and out the house are not making me happy. All of those zeros behind uh, the, the single digits in my bank account are not making me happy. Oh, what was me? What did I do wrong? Now... Doesn't that just sound kind of really crazy for a person to be in a situation like that? Something that most average people are aspiring and knocking themselves out to get, and he kills himself. Well, first of all, they say he killed himself, and they well, say he killed himself for, for depression. Now, right. I think, if I could just posit my theory... Robin Williams was a goddamn freak, and I think he went the way David Carradine did, but they did him a little bit more dignity. That's all. Now, I don't have a problem with how they, you know, put it together. I mean, it's, it's an acceptable reason. It's an acceptable expectation. And it also goes to speak to something very real, something that I have even experienced Myself being, you know, female and black. When I, I remember having something go on with me, and some woman said, "What you have problems with? You ain't even got no kids. You single? What the fuck you got? What problems you got? You know, what problems you got? Right? I think that all of us. It all depends on a what we value, b how we live our lives, and c how we perceive issues, how we deal with them, what we think is the problem in our life and what we think wouldn't give us any problems. You know, someone who is bigger than me in a fuller frame would look at me and say, girl, ain't nothing wrong with you. And I might look at me and be like, all right, well, let's do a couple of more squats and let's lift a couple of more weights because there's a little wiggle when you move your arm. And I don't like that. Let's do something better. You know what I mean? And, and someone else, I might see another sister and I think she looks Gorgeous, and she might have a whole host of things. I think that her fucking hands are nice, and she might think that her hands are terrible. Everybody has a different way of valuing something about themselves and something about their relationship to other people in the world. And I think it's interesting 
just watching how those things end up playing out. With every last one of us, um, you know, when I heard that he died, first of all, I was like, okay, I was waiting for this. I knew it was going to come soon. Um, I knew he was going to go soon. I'm not surprised by this. I was ready for it. How did he die? They said asphyxiation or, you know, smothering, some kind of shit like that, right? And the thing that came to my mind, because of the way that they wrote it and the words that they chose, immediately was, you know, Robin was in the car and he had the garage closed or some shit. He fucking put the car on and he just, like, died, you know? Um, And then, after I turned it over in my mind and got off of the program that had been put out to the world, I said to myself, Robin looks like a freaky fuck. I know he's Patch Adams and Mrs. Doubtfire and Jeannie and the whole shit, and I love him too. You know, Batty from Fern Gully. I'm watch Fern Gully in honor of Robin Williams. But every genius mind, every mind period has something, someone, some place, some event that has impacted them, that lasts with them, that weighs on them, that pulls at their consciousness that pulls at their joy in some way, shape, and form. And it's just so interesting, you know, we look at what someone else has or how they portrayed themselves. I don't know if you remember, there was one of our sisters who passed away. She, she killed herself, um, and her mom had died. I think she lost her battle with cancer or something, and she killed herself. It was the woman who did Four Black Girls and um, Red Lips and something else like that. I don't remember her fucking uh, pages. I have to go and look it up. But anyway... Her name was Karen. She was a beautiful soul. And after she passed away, I saw how the black viper bitches in the so-called BWE community took on all of her shit. And people went, oh, see, this is why you can't look up certain folks because while they so-called trying to help other people, they're dealing with something. This expectation of perfection, it cripples our lives. And it cripples our human humanitarian relationship and understanding of one another. So when I, you know, hear people say things like, well, how could she kill herself when she was running around here telling people to believe in themselves? Or how could he kill himself when he's living in a lap of luxury? I just keep thinking how we value things and what we think it would take to make life easy, but we don't know. See, especially if you're on the other side of it. You don't know what it costs you to acquire those things, to maintain those things to have that lap of luxury um, or the appearance of the lap of luxury or the appearance of being an encouraging, empowering coach or whatever the fuck the case might be. We don't know the cost to that person. They make it look easy because it's their craft and their skill and their pleasure. Even me, I make this shit look easy. You will never know how many times I struggle. Well, I can't. Other than my little bitching about blog talk and their crap, <laughs> you know? Well, I I guess that's the reason. I guess you just stated the reason why that phrase was coined. Be careful what you ask for. You yep. just might get it. Just might get it. Because nothing, I mean, anything worth having is worth working for, and it's going to take some level of, if anybody who's achieved anything, no matter what it is, it's taken some level of concentration, sacrifice, dedication. That's, I mean, that's just all part of it. Now, how much are you willing to give up, depending upon how far you're trying to take it? That, you know, an individual has to know what they're getting into. Yes, and not only that, but I, I what would, kind I of roles you get locked in on? 
I would never want to be a celebrity, ever. I would never want the simplest shit in my life getting played out (laughs) on cable news, regular television, social media. Oh, Hell, you can't even die in Peace Galactic. Right. You know, I could just be walking into a restaurant as a famous person. And I'm clumsy. I trip over my own feet and fall down. It's on every fucking newspaper in the world. I couldn't live like that. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Now, it has its perks, though. The flip side of that, you know, go anywhere you want, do damn near anything you want, uh, act a fool, and where most people would be drugged through the mud, you won't. But, you know, there's that two sides to every coin thing. And we all have to weigh that when we make our choices. And that goes back to values like you're talking about. Yeah. What, what do you value? And what, what does that value mean to you? See, for every increase, there's a cost. Yeah. It's going to cost you something. You know, I mean, that's even the lesson Valkyrie was giving me, talking about the full donation thing. If you want to increase, it's going to cost you. You got to put in to get out for everything. You can't get fat off of crumbs. I don't. That's why I don't just listen to shows and I don't just read books. I go take classes and study with people. And we do book studies and group talks and chats and stuff like that so that we can build and alchemize and learn how to utilize the energy. And, and it's a whole lot of things that have to do with value. That's why, you know, galactic, black people are the least math literate folk on the planet, even though we created the shit. And this is why value is fucked up for us because everything's numbers and we don't even understand numbers. But it's, you know, and, and I'm laughing not because it's funny. I'm I'm laughing because uh, <laughs> it's just so I the irony of it all. Let me just put it that way. Mm-hmm. The the irony of it all, and uh, it's it, it's amazing to me. Um, especially with that particular thing that you're talking about, because um, we run from that shit like it's kryptonite, like we're Superman and it's kryptonite. You know that those two things, man. Mass science, keep that shit away. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have nothing to do with it. And it's a part of every human being's everyday life. There is no getting away from it. It's everywhere. It's constant. But, hey, that's that, that dilemma you're talking about, that dichotomy mm-hmm. uh, that we juggle as, as human beings. And, and, just, and I was thinking about what you're saying in, in re- regards to black people, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, we just we got to hit rock bottom. We we haven't even we haven't done that yet. What I the wish... fuck more rock bottom is there? I'm sorry, I got you. What the fuck is the rock bottom? <laughs> Jesus, how much further is this shit? I don't want to see it. Let it happen outside of my lifetime. Whatever the fuck rock bottom is, <laughs> niggas, let them hit that shit after I'm dead. I can't do it. No, fuck that. So that means two motherfuckers ain't gonna hit rock bottom for at least another fucking sixty some odd years. Six, seven, five years. You're not going to hit rock bottom. 
see the shit go any further. How low can you go? How low can you go? See, the reason why I said that, I'm glad you said what you just said. Because like you stated before, with the way that things work out, they're always long-range plans. Remember when you were saying that, when you go back to, you know, thousands yeah, of years ago? Yeah, there is always, and, and that's true. These plans are always long-range because I can look at on a continuum, um, black folks, okay, going into the 60s, let me see, we have Brown versus Board of Education. Education started to open up for blacks. Uh, at the same time, then they started rolling out uh, birth control. Margaret Sanger was on the map. Then we had affirmative action. Well, first, then we had the voting rights. I don't rights. understand why we don't then celebrate we Margaret Sanger. We should celebrate point, her. My point is, all of these things were happening roughly around the same time. And then, while all of that was going on, at the same time, they started the deconstruction of the nuclear family. And in the middle of all of that, there was welfare. There was all of these things, just like you had said. But these are long-range plans. Now, today, we're seeing the result of all of that. Some shit that happened that started a good 40 years ago. We're seeing the results of it. Nah, man, that shit started 19... Excuse me. 1865. You get my point. 1865, with the goddamn Emancipation Proclamation thus began the constant slave mentality of niggas via their own
1910 right here, their first recording of race as a marker of a, or a classification for a demographic group didn't used to be like that. Even in immigration, you know, when y'all go look at that video, I talked about this on the page. I'll reshare it so it's current. Even in immigration, when we have black Egyptians come over here, they classify them as Arab, which is classified as white. Now, I remember being a middle schooler, and we went to school. We had a, a foreign exchange program at our school because at the time of me being in middle school, that Somali conflict was actually ramping up or had just begun or whatever the case might be. So we had a whole bunch of Somalian students in our school. And I will never forget, we're getting ready to take the Stanford Nine. And one of the kids, his name was Ahmed Ali, he stands up and he says, hey, what is this black? What is this? There's nothing down here for Somali, and there's nothing down here for, you know, Arab. There's nothing down here for Islam. What is this black? So we literally had to take a couple of minutes out before we started the test for our seventh grade math teacher to break down to this child race and how to fill in these bubbles and what this all meant. And when he shared with us that his family, did, now listen, these motherfuckers is blacker than me. Black. They're not brown. They're not brown. These people are night black, midnight. They classify as white because of their faith and because of their ancestry. It's interesting how these things end up being broken down. And we will never know how to get out of the trap. We'll stay in the lactivist thinking and the bitching about the bullshit and keeping it all small. I can't deal with small-minded fuckery. I don't do shallow. I like the deep. Let's go into the deep. Let's go into the deep. I don't have patience for it. So, like I said, anybody listening who needs an elementary, stop fucking listening, because I'm not doing it now. Before she cuts us out of here, because you know she will cut us the fuck out, let me just say to everybody, I appreciate you tuning in. Definitely make sure you come on back in here tomorrow. I might maybe do another show later today. I don't know. We'll see. Give me an hour. All right? Thank you so much for tuning in. Everybody catching it on the archives. I see you, baby, and I appreciate you, too. Let me just make sure I put a little special shout-out before it goes to the archive. Let's do it. Just like music.
woman Got me in the air Saying sweet nothing Make love come out the mouth No fronting Like all of a sudden Just like you Taking away your worries and cares Any problems Music will be right there Together match Yo, we a perfect pair Is that true, Marvin? Yo, to get you the bang, this body soul snatcher, universal language, it be the light to open up, this is it, what the fuck? Just like music. One fly tune, to have black and white vibe in one room, no confrontation, poly all night, it's just a sensation. Just like music. music. 